talking. <laughs> Not this time. It's here, the talking queers. Come on! Ah, it! Boo, you whore. Ready to party! How very. Hey, hey bitch. bitch! Ooh, I tried to beat you to it. And I, I, failed. <laughs> I saw your mouth starting to move. I'm like, hey, bitch! <laughs> oh my gosh, hey. we are here on our second episode of Hear the Talking Queers. I know. Isn't that fun? Yeah, it took us a long time to get here. It did. Well, okay. So <laughs> we had Saved come out in January. That was our very first episode. But we recorded that episode without the intention of it being part of our regular podcast. So this is like our first like actual like Hear the Talking Queers bonus episode recorded specifically for our podcast. I know. Exactly. And so this is an exciting day. It's going to go along with our new format. The Saved episode was part of our old format. And so um, this is exciting for us but we were just talking about this we're like honestly ingrid goes west could probably uh probably have been a fear of the talking queers episode honestly i mean it's fucking scary (laughs) (laughs) it's scary in the in an unexpected way yeah it's a warning about our society yeah absolutely do we want to get right into our obsessions though i mean we got to keep this going this is our very last wheel spin of obsessions I know, yeah. This episode is all about obsession, so <laughs> yes. totally, we have to. All right, well then, let's get to spinning. Ooh, what drag race girls are we obsessed with? Oh, bitch, I'm ready to talk about this. Yes. So let's dive in. Oh my gosh, this is a good one. Okay, I'm excited. All right, okay, why, don't you, why don't you start so, off? Who is your, who's your current obsession? Okay, my current obsession is Simone from RuPaul's Drag Race, season 13, the American version. Yes. <laughs> Deborah. I am obsessed with Simone. Like, I feel like her take on drag, even though, like, a lot of her looks so far have been, like, referential to something else, I do feel like it's, like, a breath of fresh air. Like, she's so cute, gorgeous, gorgeous, and then the yeah. aesthetic is, like, something I've been, like, waiting for. Like, the, like this is, like, the aesthetic that I What needed. is it? Is it, like, the, that sort of, like, skinny it's supermodel? Like, you love that. You love the, yeah, the allusion to like, that, like, Naomi Campbell... Esque-ness. Right. It's sort of that, but then like hood, you know, like it's like <laughs> a, like a hood supermodel or like a supermodel who doesn't forget where her roots are. You know what I mean? Like okay, it's like yeah. that type of like, like the homegirl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that homegirl aesthetic. <laughs> you sure do, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you live your life by it. <laughs> Who's your current? Um, So my <laughs> current obsession is from... uh drag race uk season two which is uh lawrence cheney who is okay uh, so hilarious scottish queen who uh is really killing it i mean as of right now she wasn't the best in snatch game there's probably gonna be spoilers for this so if you don't want to get spoilers from the current seasons of drag race i would just you know skip ahead or something (laughs) <laughs> but um, I love Lawrence Cheney. I think her her brand of humor is hilarious. Um, super talented seamstress. Those costumes that she makes herself. 
are flawless. And uh, oh, she's so a, good. She has a warmth to her, which I really like. But um, she came to play. She, you know, she's came to play the game, and she's gonna go far. I think. And honestly, I have to say that the two people we just picked, because the seasons are running simultaneously, I yeah. do think that in my visions, they are both the winners of their seasons, respectively. Right, I, I think so too. I hope. I mean, I, it, it came pretty close to losing Simone. <gasps> I know. Were I you know. Freaking but out? There, I was. Yes, but I'm like, there's no way. Like. <laughs> No way. Like, she's, to me, she's the winner. Like, even if she doesn't win and she just makes it to top four, like, she's the winner. She's, beyond the uh, the aesthetic that I love, it's, like, her talent, just like Lawrence Cheney, it's just, like, well-rounded altogether. Right, talent. no, totally. So what about queens um, from seasons past? Mmm, so my favorite Drag Race girls of all time, um, I have a super soft spot for Katya. She's always going to be absolutely one of my favorites. I think she is absolutely batshit crazy. <laughs> totally. And just but her brand her brand of humor is just so off the wall and um oh my God. I and it, it, it there's no other queen that I feel like has going on in the wire the wiring yeah the wiring of katya and i think that just makes her so incredibly unique literally from the second i saw her on season seven like in that like you know before they have the season start they have the meet the queens kind of videos come out yeah i i saw katya and i said she's my winner and i love her i think hilarious oh hilarious just irreverent and uh, like unapologetic no filter just says whatever's on her mind like she can't help who she is yeah and um i love that and i love and i do love trixie mattel and i oh, think that their their friendship and, and their dynamic <laughs> and their show that they created uh was a really big inspiration probably for how i edit this podcast yeah i i i can see that i can totally see that it's and, very just yeah not yeah not because i like you know i don't know that just brand of humor just appeals to me it's the the pacing and the energy yeah Yeah. we're pretty much just as famous and talented as they are so right exactly that that brings me to my choice for like my favorite from the past seasons um which i feel like her podcast was sort of like this seed of like the inception of this podcast and right. it's just one of them it's, I mean it could be both but mine is like Bob the Drag Queen oh absolutely like, I love Bob the Drag Queen that bitch is so funny and so smart so smart and so hilarious like when I sit there and watch like her videos and the the ones that always get me are the ones where she does the tutorials of the queens from other seasons. <laughs> and she did like silkies with those sharpie eyebrows and she did like Evie Oddleys where her whole face is white and she did crystal <laughs> methods. With this makeup tutorial, I don't even have a will to continue. This is so insane. And I just like, when I watch her do it and then she'll like look at herself in the mirror and just laugh and laugh. And I'm like, I'm like in tears like watching her. And oh, I think uh, that she's super smart and super like, just obviously like aware and how she uses her platform I think is really clever. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sibling rivalry is, oh my God, one of the funniest podcasts I think. Literally. Out there. It's so good. Like just how she sort of clowns on Monet the whole time and um, mm-hmm. just her, her wit is so good and so sharp. Um, it's just really, it's so good. I would be, I have videos of me 
sitting on a train, I don't know, in Europe somewhere. And <laughs> I would be and you know, they have like long ass train rides to get to from yeah. city to city. And so mm-hmm. I'd put my headphones in next to my friends and listen to sibling rivalry and they would take videos of me watching it because I would be like you know, it's all quiet. In tears. And then all yeah. of a sudden you just like laugh out loud in like a quiet fucking room or something like that. It was that. I was like, <laughs> I would have to like cover my face. I would like turn red trying to hold in laughter because I was in public listening to Bob and Monet. Um, it, I don't know. I just uh, love Hilarious. Them. Hilarious. Yeah. I love watching the videos. I love listening to the podcast. Like, yeah. And uh, uh, Monet is just as equally hilarious. Uh, but I really, there's something about Bob that I just like really love. Absolutely. Uh, And then I would say uh, this queen is the queen of them all. I think she is the best thing that has maybe come out of Drag Race ever. And that's Bianca Del Rio. Right. There's no comparison. There's no comparing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no comparison. Even like, I think her and Bob is diamond. Like, have you ever seen Bianca and Bob work together? Oh, brilliant. That is brilliant. But um, other than that, I don't know. No queen comes to the same level as Bianca Del Rio. We saw her. No. Um, we saw her stand up, and it was hysterical. She's just otherworldly. She really is the Joan Rivers of drag. Uh, yeah, or just two point It just in yeah, general, honestly, <laughs> yeah. and you, know, hilarious. You could, see, you could see the inspiration from Joan, and and oh, totally know, the delivery, her, the yeah, setups. And, and her her caliber of talent is just not it's not of the norm it is Unmatched. definitely special it's special yeah and, it totally um, is and we love i love bianca but then i also love other queens like i love alaska i think she's also one that oh, has yeah. transcended drag I race about her. And, and is i know <laughs> i know she's i feel like she's sort of been under the radar lately but i just i feel like i love her brand of humor um, Sharon al- al- always spoke to me oh, in like of a course. aesthetic queen. way. Spooky queen, yeah, of course. Like she's the queen that I, you know, really looked up to because I was like, oh my god, other people enjoy spooky things too, and like gay people enjoy spooky yeah. things too. Um, yeah, that so- was a fun win when uh, season four. Sharon. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, and she really changed the game of the show. She was the first of the of the. Yeah, to kind of break up the pageantry. Yeah, because we had BB, we had Tyra Sanchez, and we had Raja. Yeah, who was extremely polished. Extremely polished, yeah. I would say my honorable mentions would be Raven, just because she's Uh, made a whole career for herself out of this show. Like, it is amazing. Now she's doing RuPaul's makeup. And honestly, like, if you're going to be a queen on the show, like, that's probably like the dream job if you're not going to be like the bianca del rio then you want to be the raven (laughs) totally 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 yeah i love raven i saw her host a show that joey was a part of and Mm -hmm. it was brilliant she's just so talented and she looks incredible and i also met her once in line at disneyland for tower of terror (laughs) oh (laughs) and funny story about that bitch just kidding no um we did meet her and then we were on her um her on, ride. Her, on her ride and we're right behind her and uh we <laughs> we're like oh my god that's gonna be so crazy that we're gonna have a picture with raven on this ride because you know you, you they splash a picture of you during the ride and you can look at it and then <laughs> yeah. we went there and we're like oh my god we looked and that bitch covered her face we're like she of knew course. what she was doing smart bitch right she was like i was <laughs> like i met these fucking fans behind me now i gotta cover my face <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And my other honorable mentions would be Valentina because, I mean, just the delusion of it all. Oh my God, bitch. The world that she's created for herself is just like, it's so cool. And then um, Naomi Smalls. I, again. Yeah, you love her. That bitch. I love Naomi Smalls. Since she stepped into the workroom um, season eight, I've been like, obsessed with Naomi Smalls. Yeah. She's not my I, she's not my favorite, but like aesthetically right. super pleasing. Just and obviously like that generational thing. Like just hearing her talk, I'm like, yes, Naomi, yes. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, so I also love like I gotta shout out like Shea Coulee. I love Shea Coulee. Oh hello. Yes, Shea Coulee is the bomb. Yeah, she's amazing. And I even know, like her music. Like, oh, I think Shea Coulee is the best music best music artist from that lineup of queens. <laughs> yeah, because uh, these Drag Race girls, sometimes their music is hit or miss, and it's usually miss. Or sometimes it's just, like, super... Like, Jinx is also another good performer, but I oh, just feel like... Yeah. But to actually, like, ride in the car with and be like, vibe Shea Coulee all day. Yeah, totally, totally. Yes, I love these queens. I do. Like, I new Drag Race, I, I struggle with just because I don't feel like it resembles old drag race anymore the drag race that i used to watch on you know repeat on logo you know the mm-hmm. drag race of yesteryear no, totally um but you know i do like i do like these new queens like they're they're okay and i hope that a few of them will be able to break through and you know really make a name for themselves but i don't know there's nothing yeah. like those old drag race girls they're just iconic. i know it's like the the walking into the workroom in the first like several seasons was like something it was like exciting and you know I feel yeah. like once they transitioned to VH1 the excitement level of the queens on the show totally went down like they're Agreed. just there to be like to you know like I think you said it one time like they're there like with knowing that they're going to be some kind right. of celebrity once of course. whether they go home first or last right it's like about the platform now and it's not about winning. And I feel like that, I don't know if that diminishes the quality of the performance or what, but I don't know, it, it just doesn't feel the same to me. I think that Canada's Drag Race was the closest thing we felt in a while to old Drag Race. Yeah, and UK it, Season 2 is pretty pretty damn close, too. Right, absolutely. And, I, and I'm, honestly, I'm personally enjoying UK more than US this season. I think those queens me, are... Yeah. And I love, you know, I'm loving Tace. I think Tace is oh. fire fire uh, bitch be gorgeous gorgeous darling in and out of drag and uh yes. you know and i and i love queens like bimini bamboo lash <laughs> you know i, I like I like the trash queen- aesthetic yes i love that <laughs> and you know such great non-binary representation and um i do like that the show is highlighting more of those things that's really important like oh yeah like you know, got they- mick is doing super well oh yeah I'm, got mick I'm- is doing super well trans man um, on the show, I love it. I love it. So, I think that's like the, one of the more interesting stories to yeah. have on there is Got Mick transitioning from female to male and then doing drag in female yeah. drag. Right, <laughs> so course. cool. Anything is possible. Drag has no limits, has no boundaries, has no, no. rules. Um, and, and I'm glad Drag Race is starting to accept that. <laughs> right, RuPaul. You know, we gotta remember that RuPaul. She's old. She's from a different time. You know, yeah. and so. As unfortunate she's as a boomer. Is, she's got she has a lot of unlearning to do and you know, she's not always gonna be perfect and she she still probably has a lot of biases that she needs to break just like the rest of us do. And so at least we've seen a little you know, a little bit step in the right direction and 
I hope it keeps going. Totally. I love those choices. (laughs) Uh, Drag Race is my favorite show. I'm obsessed. Obsessed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite drag queen of all time is uh, Leilani Lopez. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Who? No. (laughs) Uh, That's my boyfriend, by the way. Anyway. um, (laughs) Who I look at every day that we do this podcast because... She's always right above you, looking yes. over your shoulder. Yes, she is. She, there's a giant picture of her. Well, that brings us to our movie this week. Yes, Ingrid it does. Goes West. Yes, this movie is all about obsession, and I am super excited to talk about this one. I have really enjoyed this movie the many times I've seen it, and I'm excited to oh my kind of deconstruct it because it's a heavy one. It's dark. It is dark. Again, it could have been Fear of the Talking Queers easily. So yeah. this is like an, just an extension of Fear of the Talking yeah, Queers. Yeah, exactly. This is just like a like a deceptively more bright version yes. of, of Fear of the Talking Queers. Yeah. And this movie stars Aubrey Plaza and um, Lizzie Olsen, as apparently she likes to be called by everybody. Oh. Every, every interview I saw. They're like Lizzie, They're Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna call her Lizzie because I'm her friend. Yeah. I'm obsessed We're with her. I follow her. On, <laughs> yeah. I follow her on Instagram. I asked her where she bought her avocado toast and um, put a fluttering heart emoji. <laughs> and and I kidnapped her dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> now that me and Lizzie are great friends, why don't we get into a little synopsis? Excuse me. Synopsis <laughs> on uh, Ingrid Goes West. Hi, Taylor. Ingrid Goes West, released in 2017, directed by Matt Spicer, written by Matt Spicer and David Branson Smith. We begin with Instagram pictures of a young woman named Charlotte Buckwald. Buckwild? Buckwild? (laughs) It's how to get Buckwild! (laughs) Yes, time to get Buckwild, baby! Yes, it's Buckwild's wedding day, (laughs) and she is sharing her happiness with her friends. Ingrid Thorburn, played by Aubrey Plaza, is in her car scrolling through the pictures while crying. She gets out of her car and storms into the wedding reception, walking up to Charlotte and pepper spraying her in the face for not inviting her to the wedding. Ingrid tries to run away, but she gets tackled by security. (laughs) Sometime later, Ingrid is in a mental hospital where she writes letters to Charlotte, still under the assumption that they're friends. Upon her release, Ingrid goes to the supermarket where a friend of Charlotte sees her and unsubtly makes comments to someone on the phone about how Ingrid was in the hospital and how she and Charlotte were never actually friends, but Ingrid stalked Charlotte after she liked a comment of hers on Instagram. Ingrid keys the woman's car on her way out. (laughs) Struggling to make the best out of her free time, Ingrid looks through a magazine with an article on social media influencer Taylor Sloan, played by Lizzie Lizzie Olsen. Uh, (laughs) Ingrid becomes fascinated with Taylor and everything she posts. She writes a comment on one of Taylor's posts and later receives a response from Taylor. Ingrid has found the new object of her affection and obsession. Yeah. <laughs> she withdraws a $62,000 inheritance from her late mother and moves to Venice Beach, California to start a new life. Sitting on the beach, she creates a new Instagram handle called 
Ingrid Goes West. Ooh. Wow. What an opening. Oh my God, <laughs> bitch. There's so much. This is full of action yes, already. Seriously. Like, what the fuck? So Ingrid is obsessively scrolling through Charlotte's feed. I can only imagine how often this shit happens. Oh, totally. I mean, I, this uh, this is not something that is probably out of the norm. And I think it has a lot to do with current times and how social media has influenced people and the importance we've put on people who have strong presences on social media. And so I, yeah, this has to happen a lot. I mean, you, you scroll down any like celebrity or anybody's Instagram comments Uh, and it's just like, mom, you're my mom. (laughs) Like weird things like that. You're like, whoa. Yeah, mom. That's a or weird one. Or they're like full on pages dedicated to these celebrities like that aren't run by the actual person. And so, yeah, this is. Well, also that those like gang of people that still want Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber to have been together, even though they're like four relationships past that. Yeah. It's like, stop. What is going no. on? The obsession is real on social right, media. Totally. However, I think this movie does a good job of letting us know right away that Ingrid has a mental health problem. Like she ends up in a mental right. health institution where she is supposedly working on these issues, but maybe it's more of a comment on how those institutions don't, I don't know, actually rehabilitate people to the best of their ability or... They let her out pretty easily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she... Obvi- I think that maybe maybe those places have to do with more accepting things about yourself. Like, if they can't hold you there, maybe. Right. As long as you believe that you need to be there. You, but I, You just have to complete the program. Right, but I don't know if at this point in the film, Ingrid believes that they're... She's not self-aware yet. She's not aware that she has maybe issues like this. I think that she's just sort of going through the motions... And uh, right, because even in the montage yeah. they show of her in there, she's like, she's pretty much doing everything she has to, but nothing seems like she's genuinely <laughs> submitting to the program. She's, you know, she's sitting there, she's right. rubbing people's backs while they're crying, and she's doing what she has to Laughing. do. Yeah. She's doing what she has yeah. to do. And it sort of seems, even in that montage, I think it is very telling, because like you said, like, she's watching someone else rub the back, and so then she lifts yeah. her hand and starts rubbing the back, or she hears people laughing, so then she starts laughing, but there's like a detachment that she has from, like, the world around right. her. Like, she's not right. aware. And she doesn't know how to be her own person. She's she's sort of just taking cues from everybody else, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then we find out that her mom is dead. Yeah. And so that's and then we find out that Charlotte or Bug Wild is where we're referring to her. <laughs> um, <laughs> that she was the first person to sort of like give her condolences when her mother died. Right. And she, and later Ingrid mentions that you know her mom was her best friend. So it's almost like filling this void but also including that mental health element and that's just like a recipe for disaster right yeah the void is definitely a huge factor like theme in this film this like especially when it comes to social media and i think that is a comment on people filling a void of friendship that they sort of mistake relationships online for being real 
and filling a void, you know? I know, I know exactly what you mean. Because there's even this moment where like, and then there's this comparison moment where she's seeing all this like gorgeous food on Instagram. And then she looks over at her fucking <laughs> hot pocket wrapped up in a paper towel. <laughs> You know, okay, so this is where I have to get into it, right? Because we have our podcast Instagram, which is a whole different beast from, like, our personal Instagrams. At least for when I had my own personal Instagram, it's, like, only people I knew. Right. But the podcast Instagram is, like, a different beast because it's, like, a marketing tool to let people know what we're working on and what's coming next. But it also gives us a space to, like, connect and communicate with people who actually take the time to listen to us and get their feedback and their opinions And sometimes we respond to, like, a story or vice versa. And then we start messaging about anything from, like, the weather to plants (laughs) to movies, you know? And sometimes people share personal stories and they either want to get advice and they open the space for that or, um, you know, or they're just venting. And it works great for that. Like, I think social media is great for that. Sure. For us, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, I think it gives gives people, like, an objective point of view to their... You know, whatever they're going through. It's like they don't know you personally, they don't have a bias towards either way. Yeah. So I think it I think it works great because even though it's like faceless interaction, I think sometimes people just need that moment and I'm here for it. But on the flip side, I do remember interacting with someone at some point on social media who was obviously seeking validation to benefit their self-worth. But I didn't know this person. And so instead of like looking within themselves to find that they have like inner strength and inner beauty, because everybody possesses that, right? But it's just up to us to, to be able to see it. Instead of looking within, they were putting that responsibility on people that they didn't know on social media. And sort of like, I felt pressure to give them a response that they wanted to hear, that they were like fishing out of me. And I feel like Ingrid goes through this in the movie a lot. Like, uh, because as genuine as someone tries to be in their response to someone like that, they do recognize that it's like a cry for help. So what you get is a kind response, but it's only so sincere. You know what I mean? Because they don't know you. And I feel like that's just to instantly satisfy the person in need. But subconsciously, you know that they don't know you. So it doesn't fix the problem. It's just temporarily putting a Band-Aid on the moment. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Right, and because at the end of the day, social media is not a replacement for therapy and it's not a replacement for actual human connection. It's Right, it's an easy fix. Sure, it's an easy of course. Fix. And I think that's damaging because then you keep going back to it for that quick fix and then it becomes like an addiction, like a drug addiction almost. And I think that... People like that look to social media to help with their internal struggles because social media can definitely be a direct factor into the degradation of someone's self-worth. Oh, yeah. Because we're constantly, like, comparing... And I think anybody does this, whether you're well-off or you're not, but you're constantly comparing yourselves and your life to, like, the people on the other side of the black mirror. You know what I mean? Right. But I think we need to remember, and, like, what Ingrid... I wish I could just be in the movies. I could tell Ingrid, like... The life that you see on the other side of that screen is not real. Like a pretty picture oh, does yeah. not make a good life no. or someone that sh- that's able to give good advice because people, you know, if they're going to get advice from someone, it should be someone they actually know because just because they post pretty pictures on Instagram doesn't mean that there's some wise soul of like course. Taylor Sloan right. pretends she is. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. I Yeah, I think that 
social media has allowed us to cultivate these sort of phony perceptions of, of life, of what, how our lives really are. And I think people get, yeah. people just get easily, I don't want to say fooled, but they get... They manipulate themselves right. into thinking that this person is great, or this person is their friend, or this person is someone they should look up to. Or... Yeah, so social media sucks. I'm going to say that. It just it, it, It's it's yeah. really, and especially for Generation Z, I would say, because this is all they've grown up knowing. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough because they don't know a world without that. And I think that, right. and I think that is really stunting their social growth and um, their interpersonal interactions with each other. It's, it's a lot. It's gotten out of control yeah, for sure. <laughs> so going back to the film a little bit, I, Aubrey Plaza is our, you know, our titular character Ingrid, and I like that she's. I was re- watching some interviews, and I really like that she d- said that she didn't try to play this role comedically what has is happening to this character mentally is not something to be laughed at you know and i think that the comedic moments in this film are sort of come from like an uncomfortable place like i find myself laughing because i'm like oh my god this is so uncomfortable psychologically thrilling yes this is yes this is psychologically thrilling as we like to say um (laughs) and so i think that aubrey plaza's approach to this to not vilify the character and not just make her seem like a an out an outright crazy a, person, yeah, was, like a basket. Right, case. was um, was definitely smart, and uh, I think does a better service to this character than it would be had she just played her over the top. Because mm-hmm. she's really not over the top, and, and honestly, no, some, most of her strengths are in her subtleties in the film. <laughs> it's true because I do think that um, it it provides a space where you are able to see yourself in Ingrid a little bit where you're like I yeah. do that like I look at people's food and then oh my look gosh. at my own I'm like the, ew the po- you know? like the <laughs> politics of how you comment something lays me out every time like you know, that scene where she's like trying to comment on Taylor's post but she, she like keeps on deleting the ha ha ha's for maybe a he he or a he he <laughs> you know it's like things like that where you're like I you're constantly thinking about how I don't want to scare these people away I don't want them to think this is too serious I have to keep this tone light but you know I still want to get my point across like that (laughs) that sort of rigmarole or whatever is so triggering to be honest as somebody who uses social media Uh because you're like this is absolutely what I do oh I don't want to put too many emojis or if I put this emoji it's like a moment of anxiety (laughs) unnecessary anxiety for what and I I I do think that too that that moment is great because we see her kind of erasing what she was going to say and you do just based off of what she's typing you can see who Ingrid actually is like uh, out you know like inside like aside from her obsessions you get to see like when she's like, mm, this looks fucking yummy, girl. What's your email address? <laughs> that looks yummy as fuck. <laughs> What's your, yeah, that looks yummy as fuck. What's your email address? What's your email address? <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and then, uh, thank God she has all that money because living in LA, especially that part of LA, is expensive as fuck. <gasps> and so, thank God girl. she got that $62,000 from her late mom. Because uh, I know. What would she do? I would be... 
ex. I would. I kind of wonder what she would do had her mom not died. Yeah. And had she not gotten that money, and she still wanted to move to LA to follow Taylor around. Yeah. What would she have done? Maybe, like, what lengths would she have maybe gone? Maybe her to? mother <laughs> wouldn't have let her. Maybe her mom was her, um, you know, her rock, her keeper. Yeah, yeah. Like she grounded her. Maybe. I don't know. We never know. We never get to meet her mom. Yeah. We also get introduced to Taylor through Instagram at this point. And this is someone who sees themselves as like wise, but actually they're just like basic and like (laughs) (laughs) taking, like living the life and the feeds the soul and like things like that. Like where it's like this like false wisdom. Oh my gosh. It's just like a quote that you've copied and pasted. Yeah. Those quotes are so funny. They actually said that they just look through like really popular influencers pages and literally just stole captions. The quotes. Yeah, they're like these are yeah, these are because they're not authentic. They're not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hashtag like a... blue. <laughs> heart eyes emoji. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Fluttering heart emoji. Yeah. Yeah, just crazy. <laughs> well, uh, let's get into this next moment because that's when we really meet Taylor. <laughs> Ingrid rents a house from Dan Pinto, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr an aspiring screenwriter and Batman fanatic who also takes personal interest in her immediately following her on Instagram. She starts going around town trying to find Taylor by visiting her favorite restaurants or hangout spots. She eventually finds Taylor in a bookstore, but she's too awkward to approach her personally. Ingrid then follows Taylor home where she kidnaps her dog Rothko, upsetting Dan who specifically told her no pets allowed in her apartment. When Ingrid finds a flyer for a reward for Rothko's return, she sees this as her chance. She calls the number and is able to finally meet Taylor in person, along with her husband Ezra, played by Wyatt Russell. After Ingrid declines the reward money, the couple invite her to join them for dinner. Ingrid has infiltrated their house and takes this opportunity to take (laughs) iPhone pictures of everything she can in Taylor's bathroom. When asked what she does for work, Taylor tells Ingrid that she's a photographer and brands pay her to post pictures of their products on social media. Ingrid also learns that Ezra is an artist and she purchases one of his paintings uh, running horses covered with the phrase squad goals for $1,200. Oh my god. When Taylor's friend bails on helping her haul a trailer to their house in Joshua Tree, Ingrid offers to take her even though she doesn't own a truck. What a mess. I know, what a mess. So first, this is where we meet the character of Dan Pinto, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., a.k.a. the living double of fucking Ice Cube. Ice Cube, I know. I think O'Shea Jackson Jr. is so cute. He's so cute. I would be all... I'd be all up on him if I was Ingrid. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> like, fuck Taylor. He's way cuter than his dad. He's just, he's like a, he he's like such a, like an endearing quality about him, especially in this film. Yeah, like he's like approachable, friendly, sweet, kind, yeah. cute. Yeah, yeah he reminds me of just like people I know here in California who are just like cool stoners that, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I really, I really like him. The right Batman fan oh, fiction. Oh, yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> and that's the thing. And I think that his character is sneakily similar to Ingrid. They both have mm-hmm. obsessive personalities. Yes. That is a running theme throughout. We find right. out about every we find out about everybody's little obsessions. Right. And I think that, you know, even though they're on op, on obviously different levels, uh, I think that it's still a reason why they're sort of drawn to each other, even though Ingrid fights it as much as she can. She because she's yeah. very tunnel visioned on Taylor. Which yeah, she has a purpose. Which 
is never romantic. I don't think that it's ever, you know, I don't think Ingrid's in love with Taylor, like in a romantic way. You know, I think she just no. desperately craves her friendship and her you know, companionship. But um, I think that there is a reason why Ingrid and Dan have a sort of connection is because I, they both have similar obsessive personalities. Obsessive personalities. Because he's obsessed yeah. with Batman, I, which I think is hilarious. I know. It is funny. Real quick. Do you, do you know the story of how he got cast in this film? Um, I I heard it in the interview where like he met in- Ingrid. He met Aubrey like at a bar. Well, so what happened was apparently they had seen each other backstage or something at some award show, and yeah, she said they like had some sort of eye contact or whatever, and he he posted something on Twitter about Aubrey Plaza like giving him the stink eye or something on Twitter. And she's like, oh. And they've yeah. been actively looking for somebody to play Dan in the film. And she was like, oh. She's like, I, I, I think he would be like a good fit. Like, he, possibly. This is kind of funny. And so she, um, she messaged him. She like private messaged him. Was like, hey, I'm Aubrey. I'm, we're looking to cast this film um, for this character. And she sent him the script. She, 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 no, she didn't. She sent him her. Oh, she sent her uh, her phone number and her email. It was like, and he was like, okay. okay. So then he texted her. She got a text from an, a phone, she, a number she didn't have in her phone, and it said, "Hey, it's Batman." And she was like, "Oh my god, wait!" She's like, "Okay, obviously he he liked the script, whatever. He's like so into like he's obviously he's like, oh, I am Batman, like I'm the character Dan Pinto." She's like, <laughs> "Okay, great." So she's like, "Let's set up a meeting." So she's like, "Hey, let's meet at this bar or whatever." So they go to the bar. She's like, "I didn't want to be like awkward Hollywood and like this is a strictly a business meeting." So they had like a friendly conversation. And then she was like, yeah. at the very end, she's like, oh, a date. A d- it sounds like it was a date, right? Well, she was like, so what did you think of the of this of the script? And he was like, what script? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, for the movie, I said. He's like, you didn't send me a script. And she's like, wait, why did you message me that you were Batman? And he was like, because I am Batman. Like he like <laughs> his weird personality. And she was like, oh my yeah. God. She's like, this he is Dan Pinto. She's like, okay. Like he's perfect. Yeah, and she was like, yes. wait a minute, I didn't even realize I didn't send you the script for this film. And the fact that you replied with I am Batman, she like, it was like the universe was was coming together. And yeah. And he was like, wait, I thought we were just hanging out at this bar. She thought he thought that it was probably a date. And she was very, yeah. she was very confused. And um, <laughs> luckily, it worked out because then she sent him the script, and he loved it. And like, she's like, and then they aggressively hounded him for a while to get him to accept the role, and then he did. So. Oh, nice! I think it works great. I think he's great in this I part. I love it. I think the cast is phenomenal oh, in this whole cast. Absolutely, absolutely, it's so good. <laughs> so then we have this moment where Ingrid steals the dog. And I think that this is our oh first glimpse, other than when she pepper sprayed the girl in the it, sort of at the end of their relationship. This is where you, we right. really see how far Ingrid will go to get what she wants. Yeah, that's why I would be interested to see where she would, how she would have got that money if she didn't have yeah. to move. Can you imagine to LA. If somebody stole your dog from inside your house? I would kill them. Would you? I. <laughs> 
<laughs> me. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, that's valid. You can say you want. That's that's fucking crossing the line. I mean, obviously, you don't know that you know she kidnapped her. Right, but, right, right, right. Uh, uh-uh. uh. That'd be yeah. Your yeah, pets are like children. It's like kidnapping her child. Yes, a child. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, crazy. So then we finally meet Taylor, and I just have so many thoughts on Taylor. Because me too. Because she is the epitome of just like this influencer culture. Which what the yes. hell even is that? I mean, and, and you know she tries to explain what it is, and it even still like I, I'm part of Instagram, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I don't well, know. Well, I kind of feel like at like even before we get to Taylor's house, like just knowing what she is on social media like she seems like just this happy-go-lucky girl she's very california oh so california bike on the street and she seems like she's just accepting of like everybody and wants to have a conversation with all and she's very social and then like we have this moment where ingrid sees her at the store (laughs) in in the bookstore and of course ingrid is acting sort of funny but very suspicious she, she, she picks up that book and she's like cool i think i'm gonna buy it and taylor just gives her this weird look and i'm like that's not the girl that was on instagram she didn't even smile at her like cool. yeah like you know or like great yeah. <laughs> like a smile even she's like Ugh. <laughs> yeah. and it's like okay so this is not the girl that we think she is or i think that that tells us right away that oh, totally. taylor's maybe not sure the person we thought she was yeah she's very much somebody who's who's bought into her her instagram life so hard that she's sort of a she's lost who probably who she really is or she doesn't realize anymore yeah. the person that she was or maybe is deep down inside um but i think lizzie olsen just kills this part i think she hits every beat of like an annoying california girl whose like life is based yes. on her social media and uh i i don't know i just think she's awesome in this um but not that the character is awesome i think the character is absolutely n- Probably on the same level. Like Ingrid. Yeah, I think that they <laughs> yeah. are honestly on the same level of delusion. But one has more self control than the other. Right. The one has more self control than the other, and the other, and also one has like a mental health issue to fall back on, and the other one, I don't think, does. It's just, uh, yeah, an opportunist. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, yeah, so then we do get to the moment where they're having dinner and she kind of, she says she's a photographer because brands pay her to post pictures on social media. I'm like, sweetie, that's not a photographer. Right, of course, <laughs> yeah. It's all, But that's the thing. It's all about building up little things and making them seem grander than they are. That's what social media is. Which, yeah, and that's what Taylor does throughout the entire movie. But she does it in a way where it even infiltrates her real life. Like having Ezra quit his full-time job to become an artist. Right. Which, honestly, this art, (laughs) bitch. This, like, pop pop art of, I don't know. This, like, douchebag art. I was like, I know, terrible. And so expensive. And it's all so overpriced. $1,200 $1,200 mm-hmm. for a shitty painting of a horse. And they come up with that price like on the whim too. Like they're like scam artists. Like she's like, how much? And they just uh, see like this vulnerable yeah. girl. She t- she turned down reward money. And so they're like, oh, she must have it good. Yeah, so like, mm, 1200 $1, Like $12. You think that is worth $1,200, bitch? 
I think even Ingrid, as delusional as she is, and as much as she wants to be a part of these people's world, like, even she's, like, because, like, by the art, she's like, oh, and then you painted the backgrounds, too? And he's like, oh, no, they're, like, from thrift stores. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, okay. Okay, so you painted Squad letters. goals on top of these horses? Um, that's some hipster bullshit oh my right God. there. That is, but I feel like it's that totally real. That is fucking real. I've seen those pictures <laughs> in person. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so at this point, you know, Ingrid has, at, she's getting win after win for herself. She's, she's successful. Yes. And at this point, as an audience, we are actively kind of rooting for her. Which is kind of, which is funny to be honest. It's a weird it's place strange. to be as an audience member. You're like, what this girl yeah. is doing isn't exactly, you know, on the up and up, but she is. Right. Um, but you're still rooting for her, and every time she has a win, you're like, yes, okay, now she's in. Like, where is she gonna go you, with this? Do you think it's sort of like a justice thing, like that thing, like how like people compare themselves to these people, like Taylor on Instagram, and so you're like. Uh, I, I kind of want to see this girl's world fall apart. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the influencer Yeah, girl. sure. I mean, <laughs> sure. We, we like to see people who hold their se- hold themselves up to such a high, I, high you know, standard or right. pe- on a high pedestal. We love to see them come crashing down. And I'm sure yeah. we have, we all have, a, <laughs> we love to see them come crashing yeah, down. Yeah, we love to see, yeah, we want to see this person who portrays their life as perfect, we kind of wanted to see. We want to see it fucking just unravel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This movie is <laughs> yeah. a, this movie is a fucking trip. It is such a trip. Oh my god, the bathroom scene. What is she gonna do with those pictures? I don't know. It's part of her. She took a picture of the shower, it the drawers. Seems everything. like part of her compulsion. I I I don't know. What maybe she just feels the need because I think she has the need to also emulate Taylor. Like she wants to be like her. So if she takes pictures of everything in there, she can, you know, she can copy that. She can go to the store and buy all these items. She can live that mm-hmm. life, you know, that she sees this girl living as being full of life and friendship and if she has all these things that she has she'll fill that void of loneliness that she feels right that's how i see yeah. it i don't know yeah i can see that ingrid asks dan to borrow his truck for the trip on the condition that she read the part of catwoman for his new batman screenplay table read happening that night ingrid doesn't want to but agrees to secure the truck taylor joins ingrid as she drives them to joshua tree The ladies have fun and become well acquainted. Taylor becomes alarmed when she finds a gun and cocaine in the glove compartment. (laughs) To cover it up, Ingrid lies and tells Taylor that the truck belongs to her boyfriend, Dan, who she's been dating for a week. (laughs) The truck breaks down and they have to stop at a mechanic shop. Taylor then asks the mechanic to take pictures of them for her Instagram. On the way back home, Ingrid and Taylor do all of Dan's cocaine. <laughs> they have a magical night dancing with the locals at a dive bar instead of getting back in time for Dan's table read. Finally, on the way back, they start singing along to a song on the radio. <laughs> when Ingrid gets distracted looking at Taylor and swerves against a guardrail, scratching the entire side of the truck. Sitting outside of Taylor's Joshua Tree house, Taylor mentions to Ingrid that she secretly wants to purchase a small house next to her own place and turn it into a boutique hotel and store and to not tell her husband because he's concerned about money for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> 
In- <laughs> Ingrid confesses to Taylor that she thinks she is the coolest person she's ever met, and Taylor calls her a really good friend. Ingrid snaps a few pics of them laying underneath the stars oh. as <laughs> as uh, Taylor sleeps. Yes, yes, as she, uh, as Taylor sleeps. So this is when we really get to know Taylor, and we see that she has a lot of her own set of issues. That she is oh, so yeah. incredibly self-absorbed and unaware of everything that is going on around her that she she's like so consumed by her own image that she clearly misses every red flag from Ingrid like and Ingrid's not exactly being subtle about anything that she's doing like she's like right the stairs the the lies yeah everything and and she and Taylor is just so concerned with her own shit that she just I don't even think she's listening no. to Ingrid when she speaks absolutely not like I think that when Ingrid says she goes damn girl what did you do to get did he let you borrow his truck after only a week of dating like what did you do and she's like I just gave him a blowjob and I don't even think she's like <laughs> listening to Ingrid I think that she just heard the word blowjob and so she just went with <laughs> it and of course <laughs> like, she gives that so generic ass response oh my god you are so funny you're like my favorite person ever yeah. oh my god like ugh Taylor's so annoying. She, she is, <laughs> but to be honest to me, she's the most compelling character to me. As much as I... No, it's true. I think she's I really I found myself complex. writing more notes about Taylor than Ingrid. Right, exactly. Because I think it, it, we... I think Ingrid's plight is a little more obvious. We know what, right. what her... We know who she we is. We know who she is and we know what she wants. Taylor, on the other hand, she's like this complex... I don't know, just mess Layered. that we're, we're constantly like opening up new layers of her and like, whoa, this girl has a lot of issues and she's, mm-hmm. which is great because as an audience member of being able to do that, yeah. you really, that means that the, the character is written well yes. and it's being performed well because that's what this character is. Like you have to look beyond the facade to find the story. Right. Totally. Totally. No, I agree. I think this character is super well written and I think Lizzie plays her just spectacularly um and so again at this point everything is working out in ingrid's like favor and i feel Mm -hmm. like we are just waiting at this point for it all to go wrong right and then it almost does when she when uh taylor opens the glove compartment and finds the cocaine and gun and she's kind of like taken aback like what the (laughs) fuck what is happening? Like, first of all, this girl's driving me to the middle of the desert. Right. <laughs> with a gun and a fucking shitload of cocaine. Like, what is going on? And what is Dan... Obviously, he doesn't make money writing screenplays. No. So what, did, what do we think he does with this material in his car? I don't know. I mean, he obviously is somehow a landlord. He's So he's renting out apartments. Maybe his parents... And his place looks nice, like, on the inside. Yeah, it looks cute. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe he... Uh, maybe he sells cocaine. I don't know. Maybe he's a drug dealer. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe. I know. I feel like I don't get that vibe from him. I know. From his character. But I'm like, what does he... That's kind of a shady like thing to have. But the cocaine looked like it was more for personal use and not for sale. Right, true. But who knows? Yeah, it was like an eight ball of cocaine <laughs> just hanging out. But I love how they just... I feel like it's another thing about Taylor. She's just so willing to do somebody else's cocaine and like doesn't take responsibility. She doesn't take responsibility for anything in this section, especially when they crash the car. And then like Ingrid mm-hmm. drops her off and she's like, tell Dan I'm, I'm sorry about the car. Bye. Like, and just leaves yeah. it on. I mean, I guess technically Ingrid was driving the car, but I don't know. 
know. I feel like if I were her, I would feel some responsibility to the situation, but she doesn't. She's like, I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, I'm the one who made you get right. this. Like, let's right. put our we heads together. We both did but all of his cocaine. And so we were both yeah. probably drunk and high driving down the street. Right. But she's just like... There's no responsibility. Yeah, she's no responsibility. But also, she can't take any responsibility because they're concerned about money. Because she has none. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Because she has a fake job. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's not... Yeah. Maybe that's she made her husband nice quit his say. real job. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, you know. Right. I mean, I think that she's only so famous like i think some of the influencers that maybe we're, we might compare her to may be well off right but then we also yeah because you know? especially because later on we see we meet another influencer who has more clout than she does that she immediately attaches right. to so but exactly. but i like this little like i just feel so happy for ingrid when she's like dancing at the at the bar she's having a good time yeah. and they're just having the best desert vibes and <laughs> yeah and you kind of get a sense that maybe because she she's now getting close to her and even finds herself being the confidant for taylor like and she's like you're like oh maybe this is all she needed maybe now she'll level out yeah i mean yeah i think we <laughs> hope we hope that kind of but I think we all know where this is heading. We all know that at some yeah. point the truth is going to come out. Mm-hmm. This is there's a really iconic moment in this section too, where like you said, Taylor is ignoring the red flags yeah. because I think she's more concerned about how she looks while she's lip syncing to "All My Life" by Casey and JoJo, <laughs> and not and and not actually like paying attention to Ingrid. Again, like Ingrid couldn't even be in the room, right. and it would be the same moment for Taylor. And so, like even just the way she instructs her how to pose for this because it's going on her Instagram right. so she needs to make sure that she looks good and Ingrid looks good and the mechanic gets the right angle be... gets where they are gets the right. sign in there yeah she's like wouldn't it be awesome if you like got the sign above our heads yeah. <laughs> like... she's like so condescending about it too she's sure. like can you get it and, you know actually get the sign above our heads yeah, <laughs> yeah she's awful <laughs> I, she is awful but um, yeah so then you have this moment where she's like obviously oh my god and I love this moment when they're lip syncing to all my life and then they show the outside of the car right before it hits the guardrail and then you get um, just Aubrey's voice singing (laughs) and just like (laughs) and then it just and then it just crashes (laughs) and I love like watching Aubrey Plaza during that scene because she doesn't know any of the words to the song you tell you know Ingrid never listened to All My Life by Casey and Jojo but she's like you know trying her best to fit in with Taylor who I guess knows all the words yes (laughs) yes and you know this song was actually not the original song chosen for this scene the song that was originally chosen for the scene was Kiss from a Rose because that that made more sense with Taylor finding the uh, Batman Forever soundtrack that's in the car because because oh, Dan, Dan is obsessed okay. with Batman and so he has the Batman Forever soundtrack in the car so they originally wanted it to be Kiss from a Rose but Seal who sings Kiss from a Rose his asking price to use the song in the film was way above budget you know and of so course, they yeah. weren't able to use it so I guess Matt Spicer the director's sister suggested All My Life which honestly even though that tied in better, maybe like Kiss Morrow's tied in better, All My Life works perfect lyrically for this scene. Perfectly. Because it really gave that moment yes. for Aubrey Plaza to look at her 
and sing like, uh, I'm praying for someone like you. Like, you know, that lyric. And yeah. Uh, and also even just like her mom dying and her yeah. trying to fill in that void. It's like close to me. Yeah. Like my mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that. Yeah. So, so good. Thank God for Matt. That's a perfect choice. Yeah. She saved the day with that one. She totally did. That was a good one. And I think that this generation, because obviously this is generation Y, you know, right. like the people, the characters in this movie are Generation Y and us watching it are Generation Y. And so that is a song that we would know. Yeah, you know? of course. I love that. <laughs> I know all the words of that song. Sing I sing it. along I with it every that time. Song. Me too. Like I, and I was actually surprised. I'm like I haven't heard the song in Me years, too. but how do I know every single oh, word? Oh yeah, that's a song you <laughs> do not forget. <laughs> Ingrid returns the truck to Dan in the morning, and he's talking to the police since he hadn't heard from Ingrid. Dan is pissed because he had to cancel his table read, Ingrid crashed his truck, and she did all of his cocaine. Ingrid's remorse quickly vanishes when Taylor tags her in an Instagram photo. She continues her new friendship with Taylor, laughing with her friends and buying overpriced pieces of art for her apartment. Ingrid joins Taylor and Ezra for lunch at their house as Taylor's recovering drug addict brother, Nikki, played by Billy Magnuson, shows up. Ingrid instantly is intimidated by his over-the-top and absurdly abrasive personality. Nikki tells Taylor about getting a handjob from a fashion blogger named Harley Chung, played by Pom Clementiev, and invites Taylor to a party to meet her, which falls on the same night that she and Ingrid had plans to attend a launch party. Taylor asks Ingrid if it's okay if she bails to spend time with Nikki. Ingrid says it's fine, but she is clearly unhappy and threatened. Ingrid is surprised to see that Taylor has posted that she is in fact at the launch party she planned her and Taylor to go to, instead with Nikki, Ezra, and Harley. Ingrid finds them at the party, and Nikki brings up Ingrid's imaginary boyfriend, revealing that they've been talking badly about her behind her back. They try to get her into the VIP, but she gets kicked out of the lounge for not being on the list. However, she manages to wiggle her way into getting an invitation to Harley's house for a pool party and is instructed to bring Dan. Now needing Dan to attend the party with her, Ingrid attempts to apologize to Dan with weed and a Batman sweatshirt. <laughs> she offers to take him out for dinner and the two go to a restaurant. Ingrid inquires about his obsession with Batman, so Dan confesses he loves Batman because all of his powers come from within and identifies with his orphan background. He'd wear a Batman mask to school to compartmentalize his parents' death. Ingrid tells Dan about how her mom had just passed away and how they were close. She starts crying and he gets closer to comfort her. Seeing this as an opportunity to seal the deal with Dan, they begin making out and later go home to have sex with Ingrid wearing a Catwoman mask. We get a lot. We get a lot of stuff in this. First, we get Nikki. Right. Enter Nikki, who, when he gets on screen, I I feel like it's like the air gets sucked out of the room. You know, we've we've been like on this journey with yes. Ingrid where she's making. You know, lots of progress with her friendship with Taylor. And as soon as Nikki shows up, you just know that this is when it's going to go downhill. Yes. He- yeah, he is. He's aggressive. He's abrasive. And he does. He's one of those people that just, ew, just changes the energy yeah, in the room. Yes. As soon as he walks right. in. Right. Yeah. He's like a he's like a, re- a recovering. Is that what he's supposed to be? Recovering drug addict? But he's fully still a drug, drug addict. addict. But just one of those in-your-face people who have no filter and have, like, no consequence for anything they do. Right. Just a... White privilege. White privilege, but just, like, running rampant, getting into trouble, Mm -hmm. and never having to pay the consequence. So he lives his life with, like, a... 
like an invincibility complex. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Exactly. That's all I feel. And, and so he can be as racist as he wants or do as many drugs as he wants or, you know, bl- you know, later on blackmail people like this sort of also makes me question where like what their background is because taylor is like obsessed with her image and he's obviously obsessed with like drugs and chasing tomorrow and it's like what is going how did they grow up and uh, they have to share some sort of genetic makeup as far as personality traits oh i'm sure yeah they seem to be yeah i I don't know. Maybe they have neglectful parents or rich parents. Uh-huh. I feel like maybe they had rich parents who didn't, who were not maybe hands-on, and they had to raise. Yeah. They raised themselves with just money. I mean, I mm-hmm. and, and maybe they got cut off, so maybe that's why they have no money now. But like, I don't know. There, there seems to be something of in their upbringing that's seems like yeah. a little I also do think that sometimes Taylor gets money from her family to like pay the rent so that she can live this fake ass life. Well, maybe, that's true. So maybe they just live off of their parents' money. Yeah, and and he shows up and he asks her for money. Like doesn't doesn't oh, Nikki right. he doesn't he ask her for money? Maybe maybe they cut him off because yeah. he was a drug addict. Yeah, because he blows it all on fucking probably money and drugs or not blows it all on money. Yeah. Like, blows it all on drugs and sex and girls and you know, oh god, his, yeah, his character nonsense. is so, his character is so fucking cringy. It's it is, and it's crazy because he's so cute. Oh my he, god, it doesn't he is matter. So hot, <laughs> he is so fucking. Hot. But it doesn't matter because yeah. he's the character he's playing, and he again he plays his character oh. so well that it doesn't matter how attractive he is. You hate right. him, <laughs> and, and this character is also very, I would say, well written. Doesn't mean he's like a character you love, but again. because you you're like, why do I hate him so much? I mean, I think that's a sign of a of a well-written character because that's exactly who he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be this villain who comes in and just <laughs> decimates everything that we've, this whole journey that we've, we've been working yes, toward. we've been working together <laughs> yeah. with Ingrid at this point to, you know, seal the deal and become best friends with Taylor and he's there to fuck shit up and he does. Yeah. And Taylor's super into him. Like, she's like super forget or again like she's so self-involved that she doesn't see the red flags even in her own brother's behavior and yeah. how it triggers her husband yeah like, obviously ezra doesn't like him yeah hell no. it's like he that's damn i wouldn't want him like, he's gonna stay with us for like two or three weeks uh, like, no absolutely not can you imagine oh hell oh no God. and that's like this is when you really start seeing taylor's true colors too especially this first moment when she bails, Ooh. when she bails on Ingrid, yes. you're like, you phony ass bitch. Like, you know, the next, be- mm-hmm. you know, best thing comes along and she's, you know, she, because he offers her the opportunity to meet somebody who has more clout than she does. She has over a million followers on Instagram. Wait, she's like, of course I... Wait, Harley Chad? Yeah, I, I definitely want to meet her. And then Ingrid's like, wait, we have plans. And she's like... And you could tell, just that moment, I think Elizabeth Olsen plays it so well. Yes. When she's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. Then she's like, can I... Do you mind if I bail? And it's just like, it always, almost feels like trigger. Uh-huh. I don't know if like everybody's had that situation, but it's just like... Oh no! It's that fear of rejection that I feel like almost everybody has. Yeah, but it's like you you watching Ingrid get. It's like, uh yeah. Like I've been there. Yeah, you know. This and fe- yeah, this moment feels really triggering. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a loser or something. But I don't know. Yeah. Just- no. <laughs> 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 no, no, because it there is that, and I think even just being a gay person and kind of 
being growing up gay and you kind of have that difference and that law that line drawn in the sand of like me and everyone else yeah you know what i mean right. like so i kind of that's where i feel that connection where i'm like i'll never be that person you know what right. i mean or like ugh. I was one foot in the door and then now I'm on the outside looking in. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's so sad for Ingrid. And then it is sad. and then we get to this scene where at this launch party where not they've like totally hijacked her plan. They went to the party that she, you know, supposedly got them on the list for, even though we find out she didn't. And um this this whole scene is so cringy. In the like, oh, it's so it's cringy. so cringy in the best way because we first because I think this is we start really unraveling how Taylor feels about Ingrid and that she's probably mm-hmm. like a joke behind her back, which is yeah. which we haven't really seen because this movie is told from Ingrid's perspective, so we're not really right. seeing Taylor how she feels about this, and now we're and right. this is when it all starts coming up because her brother who has no filter will say anything and gives it away yeah. that, you know, they're talking badly about her or, you know, making fun of her and her, you know, imaginary boyfriend. Oh, you're a, yeah, your imaginary boyfriend. And then they're like, stop. And like, what? You guys were all joking. Right. About exactly. It. And, they're like, and they're like, well, uh, we were just saying because we hadn't met him yet. It was like, you know, so they're like trying to cover their asses to like not seem so fucking shitty. And then, yeah, <laughs> It keeps going with this like performative moment when she can't get into the VIP and they're like, oh no, he was so mean. Uh, yeah. Like, well, I'll just text you later. Yeah, okay? exactly. <laughs> and then, and then they, she's a bitch. Yeah, she's a fucking bitch. And then, and then she ends up getting an invite to the party and like the way that they're like slapping each other, like, really? Like, yeah. No. Like Harley's yes. obviously not into it. Like she's again, she's like one of those like just like above the crowd. Right. Like, like she doesn't um, even no. know Ingrid. I'm... And she's like Yeah, Harley's like no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like these people are such bitches. Ugh. It's it's like They are. And I think that this scene is really telling and it's one of those moments, like you said earlier, where it's so uncomfortable because of the cringe factor of it yeah. all. But it's but you laugh through the scene because you're like, I know this like situation. Yeah, and it's uncomfortable. And I've either been in it or I've seen it happen or I've been on either I've been on this side of the rope or I've been on that side of the rope, but I've <laughs> yes. seen it and it made me uncomfortable and I just have to laugh about right. it. <laughs> I, and I hate to be like, oh yeah, I do identify with the scene from the other side of the rope too. You know, I'm sure there's a but a moment where you're like I, this is a person that I don't want to be necessarily mean to, but I don't really want them to be part of a, this plan. And I don't yeah, know. I well, bitch, even like just being the lead in the musicals that we were in when we were younger, right. there were the leads, and we were all friends, and then there were the ensemble. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and some of them were nice, but you didn't really want to deal with it. <laughs> we got to be in the we got to be in the green room, and they had to wait in the choir. Oh room. yeah, remember yes. that? They would separate yes, us. Yes, they would. That, that was <laughs> that's what this feels like to me. Yeah, the, ugh, God, it's so cringy. It's so cringy. But luckily, luckily, we get a little bit of a almost like a breath for Ingrid when she has this dinner with with Dan because I feel like here's a person that does care about her and wants to be around her what again whether she fights it or not it's nice to see that somebody is genuinely interested in in Ingrid 
Yeah, and he do, and he does catch her attention when he tells his backstory about his, him being sort of an orphan, and she can. And I think that's the first thing that catches her attention. Yeah, about Dan, where she's like, "Oh, like my mom just died." Right, and the, here's a way to connect. And that I think that's a really cool moment for Ingrid because it's it's a, not a faceless interaction. It's her interacting with someone in real time, in real life, yes. and he, he's saying, "I can relate to you," and she's like. That's, I think it and it releases that same like I don't know endorphins sure. that it does when when Taylor responded to her on Instagram. Yeah, and, she, and yeah, and it, it 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 elicits like a real emotion out of her. She actually does kind yeah. of have a breakdown moment where she's like admitting that her her mom is her friend, like was her best friend, and she's very lonely without her. And they mm-hmm. they have an opportunity to connect on a deeper level than say she could connect to somebody over social media and so i think it i think it's a really sweet moment um i like their connection and um you know then they end up having sex which i do you uh, do you like this sexy i i think it's funny (laughs) i kind of like it's fun i think it's funny but i also think it's kind of like sexy (laughs) oh i mean yeah i like the pink lighting and she looks hot in that in that little crop top and her panties yeah. I'm like work yeah Aubrey. and when she's like crawling on the bed and he's like blowing out his like vape smoke I'm like why does this like kind of hot yeah it's kind of and then she like licks his face yeah. I'm like I, I kind of like that. I'm like into this <laughs> this is yeah no it's kind of it is very sexy I was like okay and do you know what good she need, she needed this release I would say even if she is just using yeah. it. yeah when I watch this scene I um I try to pretend that I'm Ingrid. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I try to believe I have. Jumping I have on her O'Shea bod. Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> and I have her tight little yeah. bod, which I don't. I know. <laughs> yeah, I I have I have it. It's pretty close. To <laughs> <laughs> this movie made me delusional. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Ingrid and Dan arrive at the pool party, and Ingrid tells him he needs to be her boyfriend, to which he gladly agrees. Despite her telling him to stay away from Nikki, he and Dan, of course, hit it off. Later, around the fire pit, Ezra and Nikki have a disagreement in which Taylor sides with her brother instead of her husband, causing Ezra to storm off. Ingrid tries to mingle with Taylor, but she is hanging out with Harley, whom she tells her plans regarding buying the house next to hers, making Ingrid more jealous when she overhears her. Ingrid finds Ezra sitting alone by the pool. He expresses his displeasure with Taylor living this lifestyle of hers and being different than how she was when she first moved to L.A. Ingrid takes this as an opportunity to get back at Taylor and tell Ezra about the boutique hotel idea. Ezra tells her that the name Desert Door, the hotel's potential name, is from his favorite book, not Taylor's like Ingrid thought. Ingrid goes looking for her missing phone and learns that a coke-binging Nikki has it. He's managed to open it after seeing that Ingrid's passcode is Taylor's birthday. Ooh, oh, rookie mistake. God. Cringe. I almost said Aubrey, Ingrid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aubrey, yeah. Nikki has found all of Ingrid's photos and postings of her and Taylor, making him realize she is obsessed with his sister. Nikki decides to blackmail Ingrid and demands $5,000 weekly from her, or else he will tell Taylor about this. Ooh, God, so this is the moment we knew was coming. <sighs> yeah, there's a, this is like a loaded moment. Um, I, I think from the very beginning, when Ingrid and Dan are arriving to this pool party, and she's kind of giving him the ground rules, like, don't say this, don't yeah, do that. Don't, don't talk, talk about talk Batman. Him, don't... 
don't act like this and make sure you tell everybody you're my boyfriend. (laughs) So, uh, so that I think to me is where we see that Ingrid is no different from Taylor because at this point, then we learn that this is where also we learn that Taylor made Ezra quit his job so that when she's telling people about herself, she can say, I'm a photographer, brands pay me to post things on social media, and my husband is a full-time artist. Like, yeah, it's all it's uh, all for the image. It's, all, it's the same thing. Yeah, and it's all, yeah, it's about curating who you feel like you need to be. She's making her Instagram real life. Yeah, absolutely. And... And I and I even with desert dealer. And it sucks because you know now Ingrid feels like she has to, she has to have a, a relationship like this, where you know everybody's cool and nobody's nerdy and talks about Batman or you know whatever. And so I you know luckily Dan is okay with going along with these things, but at the end of the day he's gonna be who he is. Right, and that's how him and Nikki hit it off through their love for Batman. Right, exactly, <laughs> which is probably not the best idea since Nikki is psycho oh my god literally his character is so despicable it's like it's like hard (laughs) (laughs) that's a perfect word for it despicable just horrible um i mean not that ingrid is what she's done is you know much better but i mean still right she kidnapped a dog she kidnapped a dog you do have to remember that (laughs) <laughs> but I, I think it's more so the intentions, like why somebody is doing something. Like right. we see Ingrid, yes, we know she has a mental health issue, but we also know she just wants companionship. Yeah, and exactly. Nikki's motives, and you know, no, they're all foul. He just wants he wants to exploit her. He wants to blackmail her, which is a, which is a fucking power play. Okay, he like and again mm-hmm. like is derives from his invincibility complex. He doesn't he doesn't feel like anything that she can do will overpower him. She there's no you know he has power over her because he has all this information. He sent it all to himself. Mm-hmm. There's nothing she can do at this point to save herself, and he loves that. Yeah. He, he he it makes him feel fucking juice. That's why he's snorting all that cocaine and dancing in front of her while yeah. he's like literally. T- threatening to ruin her life yeah even the way he like talks to her like when he's like sit down condescending as fuck all that uh, I I hate that condescending fucking attitude I want to slap that smile right off of his face when I watch this god but the body is right is banging (laughs) <laughs> it is banging his body's banging I'd be like what do you want do you want me to suck your dick <laughs> yeah I'd probably offer that too like how, instead of the $5,000 how about a killer yeah. job? <laughs> I'm sure that would work <laughs> also how much money do they think that she has I know like at this point because she's been spend a lot of money if she has to pay rent in LA she's over here getting fancy hair dot hair do's and fucking yeah. buying expensive ass art like how much money does she have left at this point yeah, five thousand dollars <laughs> so this is like where we see that taylor is also like stuck in a vicious cycle of like superficial relationships i mean she's like literally right. willing to sacrifice somebody like ingrid for the sake of people who have more clout you know and maybe maybe mm-hmm. it's being business minded, I guess, because that is what she does for a living. But it also may, 
Yeah. It also makes her shallow. It does. Because I think... Because she's sort of parasitic with Harley, like, in the same way that Ingrid was sort of infiltrating the world of Taylor. Taylor's kind of doing the same thing. Right. Which, uh, Harley. Right, exactly. Absolutely. And, you th- and what sucks is that you kind of think, maybe earlier in the film, that Ingrid and Taylor are actually connecting. Yeah, like, maybe... Ingrid's presence has made Taylor sure. like kind of put the wall exactly. down. Exactly. No, no, because the second she can, she fucking tells Harley about her her like secrets and everything and just discards Ingrid. I mean, it's just a it's like a cycle of like false intimacy. It's like I have a secret yeah. for you and this means that you're my new person and Ingrid is now mm-hmm. not that person. You know, and it and it's yeah. just like so gross. It is gross. It is. Uh, I don't like this. I I I think it's sad. It's fucking sad. <laughs> it's it so is sad, sad, but this is probably real. Yeah, and then we see Ezra uh, elaborate yeah. about Taylor to Ingrid, which is you know really like a betray of trust because yeah, uh, this is a marriage we're talking about. So obviously these people are not going to stay married. Like if they ever made a sequel, I'm sure they wouldn't be together. Right. But um, Ezra is telling uh, you know I think because he resents Taylor because he do- he's not an artist. Yeah, and she's made him quit his job. She's convinced him that you're going to be good. Like your art is great, and it's not. He he was I think he when he he made that decision he was playing into the world of taylor and then he was disillusioned when there was no money coming in on his side so now he's just this you know what is he contributing and now he just lives in the you know what he's contributing though is his knowledge of the things that she pretends to know about i mean i'm not not, you know i'm saying though it's like because he's like she's never even read this fucking book that you that you said that she loves that's my favorite book so she's like sort of curating her life and like she's not really a fan of these things she doesn't have any knowledge of yeah of this like hipster bullshit whatever that she loves is like because he was like she was like preppy when she moved here and like this was not her scene like she wasn't la she was probably like Napa. totally (laughs) so like you know and so she's like uptight and now she's this like you know free-flowing girl and she's not and you can tell because the way that she curates everything in her life from her instagram to this boutique hotel id in her mind to buying a house in Joshua Tree to making her husband quit his job. Like, all of these things are benefit how she looks or right. how she sounds exactly. or she describes herself. And her, influ- and her yeah. influence on people. Like, she can literally say whatever yes. she wants. Like, I, you know, it's and it can be fake as hell, but it, it, it's crazy that that can influence people. I mean, it fooled Ingrid. She thought that she was actually yeah. this person. But she's not. Well, it circles. It circles back to that whole thing when we were like talking like this. This in a, this authenticity is not real. Yeah. Like the the poetry of the, the comment, yeah. captions yeah. and the hashtag choices are like all phony baloney. Yeah, it's fucking, yeah, it's fucking fake. She's fake, and her fucking marriage is <laughs> fake. <laughs> Desperate to keep her friendship with Taylor, Ingrid approaches a group of teens and pays one of them two hundred dollars to punch her in the face. Oh, it's just uh, we're unraveling. Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. She returns to Dan with a black eye and makes it seem like Nikki hit her and is viciously demanding money from her. Dan is furious, and the two put on ski masks and decide to kidnap Nikki. As he leaves a club at night, Dan puts a gun to his head, blindfolds him, and puts him in the back of his truck. He catches on quickly that Ingrid is behind this, who he calls Olga, by the way. <laughs> they take him out to the desert to scare him and make him stop blackmailing Ingrid. 
Mickey fights back and takes Dan's gun that was aimed at him only to find out it's a paintball gun. Mickey starts beating Dan until Ingrid hits him over the head with a crowbar. They leave him unconscious in the desert, but Dan still ends up in the hospital. Taylor calls Ingrid, asking if she's heard from Nikki, and declines an invitation to hang out with Ingrid. When Ingrid sits outside of Taylor's house, she sees an Instagram post showing Taylor and Ezra are at the Joshua Tree house. Ingrid heads to the house, but is surprised to find them not there. Ingrid calls Ezra and finds out that Nikki returned home, told them everything, and that Taylor no longer wants to see her. After harassing them with phone calls, Ezra finally threatens to call the cops on Ingrid if she doesn't stop. Ingrid makes one more attempt to be closer to Taylor by buying the house Taylor originally wanted to buy using the last of her money, 50 grand, to buy it. She doesn't have enough money to pay for electricity and ends up living alone in the dark, waiting for Taylor to reappear next door. (laughs) Oh my god. Reading this out loud instead of, like, watching it, it makes it... Just knowing the details, like, in person, I'm like, oh, my God, this is nuts. Yeah, and I think that's a strength of this film is that it does a good job of showing and not telling. Like, when you see it it told to you like this, you're like, oh, my God. But watching it... um, You're following the story. You're, like, invested. So you're ignoring the fact that, you know, it's completely insane. Um, (laughs) Insane, yeah. And this is like when this movie has taken off now a hundred miles per hour. Oh my happens. God. We are in the deep, dark hole of this movie. Right. And it's like just flying now. And I think that it's a really good way of showing how fast shit can mm-hmm. happen and how everything can change. Because in one second, you know, that, that conversation with Nikki happened. And then all of a sudden... We are down a fucking yeah. Dark Ingrid snaps, and it's almost like this, like, like almost like a challenge to her to get to Taylor again. Well, she'll go to great length to get close to this girl, and it just seems like Nikki presenting himself the way he did, like just absolutely like fucking nutso. I think she's like, I can one up this, and I can get him good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that she, she's just desperate at this she, point. She's desperate to save her friendship with Taylor, which she doesn't even realize is already over. It was over before any of that yeah, happened. Yeah, but she still thinks there's potential. Like, if I can just get yeah, if I can just get back to her yeah. and, you know, get her drunk again, probably, or give her some more coke, maybe we can be close again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, I mean, yeah, it was never about Ingrid. Their friendship was never about Ingrid. It was only about yeah. Taylor. You know, and so, uh, that's sad to see that she she doesn't even realize that, that at this point, it's unsafe. My concern here, as far as, like, rooting for Ingrid, because I do a, a root for Ingrid during this but okay so she pays a kid $200 to punch her in the face okay that's one yeah. and then she does that so that she can go to Dan and say that Nikki hit her and she told him that he was crazy and not to trust him so yeah. that they can go because at this point Dan's infatuated with Ingrid and now they can go and right. he's, a, he's such a good guy for going along with this shit too he is they kidnap Nikki and they take him to the desert and they're like, you're not going to fucking fuck with Ingrid anymore. But if this didn't work, what was plan B? I know. Killing him? I mean, honestly. Because she basically thinks that she's killed right, him. Right, no, there doesn't seem to be a plan B at this point. It just, they're like, this is the only plan that's going to work. And I just, I'm like, why did she, why did she think this was going to work? Like, there was no way. The jig is up. Ingrid like no matter what happened Taylor was going to find out about this you don't think that this loud mouth crazy 
no filter psychopath wasn't going to tell his sister even if they did scare him I don't know I and what would the story be had she actually killed him oh my god <laughs> like if he would have died oh, that would have gotten real dark and this is already a dark movie and a dark <laughs> ending but it's like that would have probably taken it just a step right, further exactly and then and then she she's the comforter and then she becomes the Charlotte of the story oh my god <laughs> she reaches out to Taylor to give her condolences and we just come full circle <laughs> fuck that is dark that is dark <laughs> that would be weird huh? uh, oh my gosh then, yeah so then we after that moment and um you know leaving him in the desert they uh you re- we really start seeing the distress that ingrid is going through like she is fully starting to unravel from these threatening phone yes. calls and like because yeah because she tries to keep maintain this like air of like light and oh, hey guys yeah. i can like, Taylor, I don't know what Nikki told you, but it's not true. It's so crazy. And then she leaves another voicemail. She's like, you fucking yeah, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like, Chucky. <laughs> she's like going through like highs and lows. Like, she's having a full on, like, manic moment. A depressive moment. Yeah, totally. That's a scary it's scene. scary. Because that's a very real thing for people. Um, and just it's I think what makes it scarier is that it's not just the person with their mentality on the line it's also the people that have become involved with this universe like yeah. this story like uh, people are in jeopardy now because of her inability to take care of herself yeah exactly you know and that's kind of that scary is, yeah it is scary and it's really sad and this is when the movie takes a yeah it just turns very dark very quickly and because we start getting to her she like impulsively buys this house next to their Joshua tree house and gives up all her money. She literally doesn't have a dime to her name now. She can't even afford to fucking buy toilet paper to wipe her ass. Or or even pay to get the lights turned yeah. on in the house that she purchased. Right. There are ant there are ants crawling everywhere, oh. probably roaches. Oh my god, Ew. yeah. Like by this point She's wiping her ass with the book that Taylor recommended. Yeah. <laughs> and like by this point, I think I honestly think the comedic elements of this movie have all washed away. Like it's like no longer funny. And you're like you're just sort of invested. No. Like, holy shit. Like this poor girl. Yeah. You know. Like, what's going to happen next? This is when it kind of just does sort of drop the comedic element. And again, like to Aubrey Plaza playing to her strengths of not relying on comedy and actually going for the authenticity of the character of Ingrid. It really does work in in this moment. Yeah. Because had she been camping it up or hamming it up, it would have been, we wouldn't have seen it the same way. But it is, it does get to you this moment. Yeah, it's, it's very grounded. It's very... Yeah, based in reality. So I really applaud Aubrey for how she played this part. Especially because she is, consi- yeah. you know, like her characters are usually like deadpan and, you know, sorry, and that's sort of who she is <laughs> as a human. I don't know. I think, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that she, she was so smart about this and um, I really appreciate how yeah. she played this. Yes. Taylor and Ezra have finally resurfaced and host a Halloween party next door. Ingrid sneaks in wearing a bedsheet and pretending to be a ghost, honestly just so she can find an outlet to charge her phone. The sheet falls off and everyone sees that it is Ingrid. Taylor tells her to leave, but agrees to hear Ingrid out. 
Ingrid tries to apologize for what she did, but Taylor tells her they were never friends since everything Ingrid told her about herself was a lie. Ingrid tries to hit back with how Taylor is a fake person as well after hearing what Ezra said, but it doesn't seem to faze Taylor. When Ezra, Nikki, and Harley approach them, Ingrid decides to leave them alone. Ingrid gathers a bunch of candles and makes a video on Instagram, admitting that she's been pretending to be someone she isn't because she knows there's something mentally wrong with her and that she hates who she is. She continues recording as she downs a bunch of prescription pills and alcohol before uploading the video. Ingrid then lies down and waits for death. Suddenly, Ingrid wakes up in the hospital. The nurse explains that someone saw her video and saved her life. It was in fact Dan who saw the video and quickly got her medical attention, allowing her to survive. Dan then tells Ingrid that her video went viral with thousands of people showing support for Ingrid with the hashtag, hashtag I am Ingrid. As Ingrid scrolls through all the love and admiration she had been hoping for, a smile creeps up on her face. The end. Wow, this ending is dark. Yeah, it's a good ending. It's a really good ending. It is a good ending. Um, I know there's a lot of, there is a bit of controversy around it. I think, you know, the suicide part is, you know, handled a little flippantly, but yeah, but it's, I mean, I understand it. And um, yeah. So first we kind of get back into the comedy of it all when she shows up to the Halloween party in his bed sheet. Sure. That's, that is very silly and very funny. And then she tripped. There's so many steps on it. And she's like, yeah, yeah she gets upset. <laughs> and can we just talk about our friend Lizzie as Cher? Oh, my God. And fucking Harley uh, as Dion. With, with blonde <laughs> braids. <laughs> yes. Mama. Mama, what? <laughs> I was like, bitch, take that off. But uh, <laughs> but I have to say she looks great as uh, Cher. Yeah, she does. Um, She'd uh, be great. Oh, my God. I mean, she's too old to play now. but She would have been. Yeah, she would have been, been great. great. <laughs> um, so Ingrid telling Taylor about herself and like your husband told me everything like you're a phony baloney bitch um, so I feel like it, it says it doesn't seem to phase her but I think that she can it kind of does take her down a little it bit does. like we kind of see the tears running a little bit but I think she kind of snaps out of it quickly because she gets the, because Harley, Nikki and Ezra come up and sort of support her by just physically being there. Right. And she remembers again, like where she is and who she is and how many followers she has. And that Harley's her friend now. And they're in Joshua tree at her beautiful new house, you know? And so I think it's easier for her to just kind of wipe the tears away and be like, you need to leave. I'm nothing like you. Right. And exactly. You're fucking nuts. And I'm right. Not. Because yeah. the world she's cre- created around her doesn't, doesn't fit that truth that in that's like one of my favorite things about this scene is that of anything i'm happy that ingrid was able to get in a few blows at taylor Be- mm-hmm. because honestly she's not much better than ingrid and she has yeah. less of an excuse as to why she is the way that she is you know and she deserves yeah. to hear that her superficiality is just as toxic and fake and you know ingrid may not be okay but honestly neither is taylor <laughs> Yeah, and Ingrid, honestly, that is where we find out that she's disillusioned, that she understands now that Taylor is is not the person she thought she was. And the more she found out, the more she kind of, like, even when she, I think it all started when she overheard Taylor telling Harley about the, you know, de- desert door. But uh, it's just that now she wants to get back at her almost and, like, take a couple digs at her. Um, 
And I think it's kind of shows that like she's able to be more aware and in turn more self-aware. Yeah. Because then when she does, when we do get to this dark moment where she's attempting to commit suicide, it might be handled a little too lightly. Sure. And I think it's mostly because it goes a little too quickly. Right. Um, but I don't find it to be out of place because no, I think I somebody in this headspace might attempt suicide. I mean, right. I mean, she's a complete rock bottom. Like if there's any sort of yeah. rock bottom, it's that she has no money. She lives in a piece of shit covered in insects and ants and she has no power. Like, like yeah. she's at rock bottom. Like, do I, of course, should she do this? No, but I mean, I agree. Like, I don't find it to be out of place, but I do think that there is a self-awareness that happens here. She yeah. is a, she does. She is able to admit that she that there's something wrong with her and that she doesn't know how to handle it it's a cry she's literally it's a cry for help you know and mm-hmm. she does put on instagram and and i and some of the controversy that i read about this ending was that you know by putting it on instagram and getting this admiration from these people that she that it's almost as if it's like a cure for her but i don't think i see it as like a cure for no for i don't think so because i think once we get to the end and dan hands her her phone and says you know this is what's happened and this is what is now you're trending and i think we see her creep back into her delusion yeah so i don't think i don't see it that way but i do i do think that her posting it to instagram is on brand for the character like this is how she knows how to communicate with the world so of course if she's committing suicide she's gonna post it online like I do think that yeah Um, and also I do think that by the time someone gets to the point of suicide I think there are even studies that say there's always this moment in someone's head and people that have done this themselves who attempted suicide say that they were just hoping that someone would find them and you know luckily they did Dan is a great guy so at the end of the day who's does have genuine feelings for her and even after everything that happened leaving him in the hospital he was still there to to sort of save her and um i do like that i don't know i feel like the people at the end commenting and you know her feeling a sort of validation by it i don't see it as as like she's gonna keep going like just because she has a, a smile on her face i do think that maybe now she can see it as like that people can that, care for that her. That people can care for her and that she need and by becoming If she self, keeps it real. Right, exactly. And if she seeks the help that she is aware of that she needs. Like I always took it that way too. That's until this last time it. that I saw it. Oh, really? I, I've probably seen this movie about like four times now, and yeah. I think I've always seen it like that, but this time I was like Oh, it's like giving her back her phone and now seeing this. I don't know if it's like like right. she feels like I think like that's what people's that problems with maybe it now is. she feels like she's on the other side of the rope. Like now mm. she's uh, you know, yeah, the Harley it, of this sure. moment. It sort of gives like an impression that she's gonna keep going. It's it's the cycle the vicious cycle is never over with Ingrid. Which I hope mm-hmm. that's not the case. I would really hope that I she know. that it is a more we want her to do well and be well yes i i would hope and i think even aubrey plaza talks about in an interview where she's like i don't think the ending she's like i what i hope for the character is that she is self-aware and that she um that is a positive ending as opposed to being a, a negative one and so i don't know i've always seen it like that i guess it is like 
it can be. I guess you can take it both ways. You can ways. take it both ways. I guess it's how yeah. you interpret it. But one is obviously a little more problematic than the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you don't want to trivialize mental health and, and to right. perpetuate ideas that people are, I don't know. Should get to this point. Should get to this point and that, you know, the only way we can help, like, help people with mental health issues is if they are posting things on social media for attention and like i don't know right so it, it's tough it's a, it's a tough subject to tackle because it is. it's sensitive and people can especially be especially when you and, haven't been there or done you know right exactly you haven't been there and that there's still there is stigma around mental health and seeking right. help and how we portray people with mental health issues and so what are your final thoughts on this film um so i personally i think that this film is like a brilliant dark satire that's really relevant to the current state of the world and um and i know they said they when they were making the film that they weren't necessarily trying to make a commentary on social media that it was more about like the human experience of it all which i understand Mm -hmm. um however i do think that there are some strong uh connections here made over social media and like a false sense of feeling a void of loneliness with people you you met over social media so i do think that's Mm -hmm. i do think it has a slight maybe unintentional commentary on that because really social media does become kind of like a a background character in this it's not it's not as prominent as you might think it is at the beginning, right? You know, because it really. I think I, I think I read that was the intention too to narrow it down so that it's not so much a social commentary on social media, like maybe something like Assassination Nation, but right. it's more the specificity of yeah. the of the storyline gives right. it, uh, yeah, more a, human. Touch. I guess a deep, yes, a deeper purpose. Right. Sure. And also um, the effects on like social media on people's like interpersonal relationships I mean everything becomes about like influencing more and more people so you're constantly like curating your life to achieve that and and friends just become about climbing the ranks and who has more followers and you know how those relationships are never real and you know similarly in that way that's how Ingrid makes relationships like she mm-hmm. she uh, she's doing it to fill a void as instead of actually having personal connections which thankfully she gets in a bit in dan and um so i know i think that this movie has a lot of really interesting topical things to say about how people are feeling today and the things that they go through with social media and mental health and things like that and also i think aubrey and lizzie give like exceptional performances in this i think they, they are spot on and yeah, so out of five, I would give this a 4.5. Okay. I think that this movie gives two genuine portrayals over... How, from Taylor, we see how social media works and how it can consume your life when yeah. you're so busy curating your image online and it translates and infiltrates your real life and the damage that it can do. And then I also think that it gives a genuine portrayal on Ingrid's side of somebody with mental health issues or mental instability and what how damaging this world of i feel like instagram mostly like this world of instagram can take you over the edge 
because yeah. of the the constant anxiety that it gives. The and if you're somebody who's prone to like a manic depressive episode, social media is not the place you want to be. No. For if you have these sort of. Uh, you know self-image issues or self-worth issues like that is not the place for people with those that are that are having to struggle with that internally right and i think it's more Uh, and more people than we even realize uh uh-huh yeah it is it is and i think that it's i think this is a very important film and to reflect back on the generation we live in especially for the future generation like i think this is mainly a portrayal of generation y and i think it's very truthful to generation y yeah but i think that on the other side like the 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 speed that we're going especially with generation z like these kids are literally making careers for themselves on this platform and so this is going to be something that plays out in a lot of people's lives a situation like this yeah absolutely that's scary and i would also give this a 4.5 out of 5 yes okay yeah all right well then i think that we have uh i don't know what do we say we spent all our money on this one (laughs) dropped sixty two thousand dollars on this one i think we spent all of our money on this one i think we've posted it we've yeah we've <laughs> liked comment and subscribed <laughs> yeah the story could. has expired ah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one um yeah so please if you can check out ingrid goes west it's a great movie i love it i recommend it um i yeah totally yeah and i think it's a it's a good one it's a good one i i think it's more important than we think it is or right. want to admit right. that it is right. it's the me- <laughs> it's a mirror held up to our generation yeah. and um, like take a look in the mirror you crazy bitch yeah. <laughs> get off you Log psychologically <laughs> thrilling bitch you mean yeah i know but i saw i saw again i saw some parallels in my own life so oh totally we'll <laughs> absolutely all right so thanks for listening to this episode of hear the talking queers um again we release one of these on the last friday of every month uh, make sure you check us out at Fear the Talking Queers, our our main show. We release episodes every Wednesday. And uh, yeah, make sure you follow us on all of our various social media platforms. We have Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. You can check out our bomb ass new merch collection on uh, fearthetalkingqueers.com slash store. Yeah, we have a new shirt. It says, hey, bitch. Oh, yes. (laughs) We do. I mean, yeah, we had our, you know, a a t-shirt of our sign-off of Sweet Screams, bitch. And um, so we needed one of our intro, which usually consists of, hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. (laughs) I know. I use that too often in the real world, too. Like, to people that I'm not even that close with. I'm like, hey, bitch. (laughs) And they're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they're like I hate that word yeah I'm like shut up I'm like well, yeah shut up bitch no. <laughs> yeah we want me to say that to you shut up bitch <laughs> that's gonna come out next month or I'm sure <laughs> shut, yeah. up, shut up bitch He's like, hey bitch sweet screams bitch bye bitch yes. shut up bitch <laughs> fuck you bitch yes <laughs> yeah so uh, get your hands on some awesome merch we have some exciting new things coming out on the horizon which we're very excited about and um yeah so that is about it i think that we should get going again we still don't have a sign off for this so sweet dreams bitch (laughs) (laughs) sweet dreams bitch bye bye
Rookie, y'all. Rookie.